people don't make decisions based on logic alone. They mainly make decisions on emotions and then they, they rationalize that with logic afterwards. Uh, so it's not enough to, to, to sort of show the facts and the numbers and the, the rational side of, of this. Welcome to Outside Sales Talk, where we meet with industry experts to learn the strategies and tactics that make them successful. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and I've helped thousands of salespeople all over the world crush their quota. Today, I'll help you crush yours. Welcome to Outside Sales Talk. Today, I've got George Brontian with us today, and we're going to be talking about the three deadly assumptions that are killing your B2B sales. Welcome to the show, George. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So by way of introduction, George is the CEO and founder of Membrane.com. It's a SaaS company that enables B2B sales teams to execute their sales processes, uh, coach for higher results, and build predictable growth. He has the job title of Sales Effectiveness Pioneer. His mission is to learn from top salespeople how technology, uh, technology is either hurting or helping sales productivity. He's also the author of the book, Stop Killing Deals, How to Gain Competitive Advantage by Viewing Sales Through the Lens of Human Nature. Super interesting. Uh, so George, first question, what are the three deadly assumptions that are killing deals and harming sales organizations? Yeah, the three ones that I think are hurting sales a lot are one, uh, that perception or assumption that salespeople are born. So you either have it or you don't. Uh, I made that assumption in my previous company <laughs> before I became a sales nerd and sort of dedicated to this uh, mission of elevating the sales profession. I thought that salespeople were just, yeah, they, they, they came to the world as talkative, energized, very extrovert social people who could uh, talk their way to, to a deal. So that, that's number, number one. Number two is that I assumed that salespeople were somehow super disciplined, right? They would just go after the target that I set for them and do anything that was needed to, to just make it happen. And three, the idea that human beings, both buyers and sellers, are rational. Uh, logical, rational creatures which we're not. So those are the three that I, I sort of uh, write about in the book. There are of course a lot of others, but I think those are the ones that I, I find causes us to make so many bad decisions uh, when it comes to hiring salespeople, uh, helping salespeople or not helping salespeople uh, and growing a, a business. And uh, how can salespeople identify the presence of the assumption about salespeople being born, not made in their organization. How, how can you tell that that deadly assumption is floating around? Yeah, I mean, the, the symptoms are, are pretty obvious. Uh, you, you see a lot of uh, turnover uh, because the people hiring the salespeople uh, or the sales leaders uh, have this assumption. So they look at the CVs, they hire for previous performance, and they assume that, okay, if they did well at another employer, at another company, they ought to be uh, successful in our company. That's one, one dangerous assumption that is tied to that. So you see people coming into the company not getting 
the support they need uh, to really succeed. So they they turn and then you you blame the, the person or the recruiter saying, ah, we got the wrong person. Uh, but really what you did, you, you, you weren't really helping that person to succeed in your environment or you hired the wrong type of person with the wrong type of skill set to, um, to your environment that made it not work. And what should you be doing instead? How, how can, how can a, a company or sales leadership cultivate top performers and, and do it right? Yeah, I mean, all of this started for me um, when I sort of came to the realization that I was making these uh, faulty decisions or incorrect decisions based on my faulty assumptions. So I believe that the leaders have to sort of get the, the, the insight that maybe we're doing it wrong. Maybe it's not the people that are the problem. Maybe we don't have... Uh, what's needed for my people or, or people to succeed. There is also a lot of change happening in the, in the market and in the world. Uh, competition is tougher. The internet turned everything on its head when it comes to research and all that. So you also have to really know your customers. So a lot of this is oftentimes it can also be the case that you, you're looking for people who succeeded in the past, but based on how your customers have changed and your offerings may have changed, you need different type, a, a different way of selling than you previously had. Mm -hmm. So in order to, to support the, the top performers, you first have to understand what, what is required to be a top performer. And that can be very different, of course, if, if you have a very, if you have a fast paced sale, you can close a, deals, a deal in two weeks, selling a low ticket item, you're selling to one person, that type of sales team needs a quite different support than an organization selling highly complex software solutions with services taking 18 months to close. And you have to involve, I don't know, three, four, five different departments, a lot of different people. So, First realize who you're selling to, how they are buying, how you should be selling, and based on that, which people do you need and how do you need to support them? So I think you have to really do that exercise uh, before you start figuring out how to support your people. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I, I, I think uh, another very closely related mistake is, is, is when you're hiring, thinking you, you, and you're, you're hiring for someone's past successes. You're, they were successful in a different type of environment or with a different type of sales cycle or with a different type mm -hmm. of price point or different type of customer. And you assume that that success is gonna to translate to your organization. Yeah. Um, any, of those, any, of those, any one of those variables could really matter or could not matter, just you know, depending on the situation. But if you, just cause someone was, you know, a, a top salesperson of selling, uh, selling a very long sales cycle, very expensive item um, that maybe involved a lot of whining and dining and a lot of executive touch, et cetera. That does not mean they're gonna be, um, you know, so they could sell $2 million of stuff a year that with five sales. That doesn't mean that they're gonna be, that they would do well in an environment where 
they're supposed to sell, you know, the same $2 million, but with, uh, with 2000 small sales, right. Of a very high velocity environment with an average selling price of a thousand bucks that that's a very different person and a very different skill set to be successful in those environments. And so just cause they've got, you know, Hey, I made 120% of quota over here. It doesn't mean they're going to do well with you. And it's those, yeah. those assumptions can, can get you in trouble. Definitely. I agree 100%. I think and one of the problems in, in the sales space, if you read books or listen to podcasts or yeah, read blogs, is that it sometimes can sound like selling is selling, right? It's all the same. It's all about closing the sale, making the number. Sure. But the how to do that, it can be com completely different, like you just described. Yeah. So that that's an, a very important insight. And if you're a bigger company, you you might be mix and matching these, right? You can have a team selling to the SMB market, higher volume, quicker paced uh, environment than the enterprises. Mm -hmm. So you have then two different, completely different sales processes, uh, and probably broken into sub processes, etc. So. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, and and but we a lot of people want to have or, or, or get a shortcut. Like, technology is a perfect example. Uh, there's a lot of technology out there promising to automate stuff with the the newest AI or coolest uh, algorithm, mm -hmm. and that can be great in a B two C or a highly transactional B two B environment or in the early funnel. SDR stage perhaps, but it could also be detrimental in, in uh, pursuing a high, uh, high stake deal, right? Then you can start killing relationships if you use technology in the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And that's what the book is also talking a bit about, the, the importance of humans, right? We can't automate everything. Uh, so the human aspect is so important, so critical to understand. Mm -hmm. Like discipline, I mentioned discipline is one of those that we believe somehow that if we just give a salesperson a high a target to reach they will figure everything out they will they will have the willpower to do everything that is needed but we we haven't really spent time as a manager or coach to really get under the skin of each individual to understand what drives this person why do they wake up in the morning why do they come to work what why is money important or is money even important for this person all those soft things uh, are so important, but are sometimes forgotten and sort of with these assumptions uh, lying around, like, okay, they're all money motivated, they're all heavy hitters and competitive, blah, blah, blah. All these things might not be true mm -hmm. and have to be questioned. Well, yeah, and that's the the, the big, uh, the second deadly assumption is is that people assume salespeople are disciplined. How, how does... Uh, how specifically does that assumption kill deals? No, uh, maybe it, uh, it it doesn't specifically kill deals, but I think it kills uh, performance because if you assume that is the case, you're not giving them the support they need to to be disciplined. Uh, and, and how should you do that? What's what's the what would you say? Do you need to do to? get around this lack of natural discipline or the assumption that everyone is naturally disciplined? How can you actually solve that in, in your organization as a sales team? Yeah, I think it comes down to this individual um, 
ambition and, and uh, motivation? What drives an individual? Why, why are they there? What do they want to contribute with? What do they, what do they want to in life? Uh, I mean, the, the get really under the skin of each individual to know what drives them. Because if, I mean, discipline and willpower is really about not doing something that is pleasant in the short term to, to gain something in the long run, right? And that's tough for, for I mean, human beings are not good at that at all <laughs> in general. We have to really work on that. Uh, so there needs to be something important at the end of the rainbow, so to speak, for each individual in order to be disciplined and, and, and have that willpower. And if you don't understand what drives each individual and you think it's just about throwing money at them, it's, it's not going to work. Uh, and then, then they might not exercise discipline for those reasons. So and you help salespeople you know, attain discipline by understanding their motivations and then motivating them. Yeah, and it's like everything, right? If you want to exercise, everyone knows you should, you should eat healthy and exercise. Mm -hmm. But doing it is a different thing, right? Because it's much nicer to go and uh, have, a, have a snack and, and not exercise. I love snacks. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> then after, then you know, when your waistline starts growing, you don't like it as much. And then you're motivated to do something about it. So, yeah, I think it's finding the motivation. Why, why should I give up something that is... I could be surfing the internet and just doing something fun instead of cold calling or whatever it might be that, that might be painful right now, but is has a long-term effect and benefit. Mm -hmm. So the, the third deadly assumption that uh, kills B2B sales is uh, non-logical decision-making. Tell me about how, how does non-logical decision-making impact both buyers and sellers and uh and how, how does that kill sales yeah and, and i think this is very obvious for everyone in sales when you when you um when you have you're working on a deal and everything everything is perfect right they 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 need it they've they've told you they need it they have money to buy it and in the end they don't buy it and and you don't it's like, what, what happened? It's, it's completely logical. The rational choice is to get this. We've done the ROIs, everyone was on board. Uh, but people aren't rational, right? And, and uh, I think in, in sales, it's, it's so obvious that there's so much emotions and egos at stake and consensus that needs to happen that never happens. Uh, and we have to, as sellers, realize that this is just the way it is. People don't make decisions based on logic alone. They mainly make decisions on emotions and then they, they rationalize that with logic afterwards. Uh, so it's not enough to, to, to sort of show the facts and the numbers and the, the rational side of, of this. And the same goes for managers managing a sales team. It's, it's also not enough. And we touched upon that a, a bit. Like you, you have to get into the softer parts in order to really get that drive and motivation from, from someone. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's like the book, you know, Dan, um, uh, Kahneman's uh, Thinking Slow and Fast or Fast and Slow or whatever you, you, right, the way right, he phrased, right. phrased it. Like you have two parts of the brain that are uh, struggling and, and, and um, you have to sort of get to, to, all, under, get to understand that, that um, we, we're dealing with people and uh, 
although people can take the time and think rationally and in a logic way, uh, they're still going to make decisions on, on emotions in, in, in a, to a great extent. Absolutely. And how, how should salespeople overcome um, this challenge with, uh, with buyers being illogical, which I think is especially important in the B2C space because, you know, those consumer buyer, consumer buyers behave especially illogically, but, but he, I, I, it definitely is on the B2B side as well. The more um, business to business space, the, how, how can, as a salesperson selling into either of those groups, um, overcome this challenge? What's the trick there? The first one is, is realizing that that this is the way it is, right? People make decisions on emotions, uh, and I need to I need to understand what drives my buyer, what's important to my buyer, and uh, it, it may be they're making the decision for. I mean, they're very environmental, so your the, the environmental aspects of your product become very important to this individual, but maybe less so to another individual. So. And I think with the internet, we have a lot of opportunities to 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 do research, to f- sort of see some of these things, uh, mm-hmm. how people are writing, what's what they're liking. So you, you can make some uh, research to to understand how how you how you could relate better to to an individual. I'm not a B two C expert, so I'm not. Uh, I don't know if I, I'm the right person to give advice in that space, but in the B2B space, that also goes up to the corporate level, right? What do our buyers, uh, what, what do they relate to? Uh, what makes them tick? Mm-hmm. Like our option is to elevate the sales profession, for instance, and we sell through partners and our partners are sales trainers and sales consultants. And, um, they're also usually on the same mission. They also want to elevate the sales profession. And that is such a, a powerful uh, relator or a powerful um, connector between our company and their company because we're on the same mission. Mm-hmm. So if, if you can find a mission of your company that, that really aligns with what your buyers are trying to accomplish, I think that's a very strong uh, aspect of it. And then communicate that uh, and be consistent in, in how you communicate with, with buyers. Absolutely. Um, so the, in the fifth chapter of your book, entitled uh, how your technology stack accelerates the death rate in your organization. Um, it's a bold statement. What, what do you think? Why, why do you think that some tech can sometimes hurt salespeople? Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the problem I see with CRM systems out there is that they were designed on these very same assumptions. So salespeople should uh, with whom and when and why and all that, and they should just log what they've done. And then we can pull reports to see if they've done enough uh, to get back to the, di- see if they've di- been disciplined. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so there's nothing in those systems that really guide the salespeople on how to actually relate to buyers and how to guide a buyer through their decision-making process. I mean, there's very rough things in there, but if, if the system is just asking you to log whatever you've done, uh, you, you feel like a data entry. So, so that's an, the obvious one. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one uh, that I see happening a lot is this 
spamming of people um, using email automations. So we, uh, and I think this comes out of the, the uh, out of Silicon Valley because you have a lot of startups who have a fantastic new product and they, they have the entire world as their, their marketplace. So they want to get from zero to millions of customers. Mm -hmm. So it might make sense for them to spam a lot of people. Uh, but I think if you do that in the wrong way, you end up annoying a lot of people. Uh, and uh, at least I get these emails all the time. And when they send this, and they're, all, they're often very templated. So you get the same emails from different vendors who bought the same tools. And I get the seventh one, I say, hey, George, this is my seventh email. Why haven't you responded to me? It's like, yeah, maybe because you sent me six stupid emails and this is the seventh stupid email yeah. that I get from you. It's like, it's not helping. Uh, so, so that's something. And, I, and I, I see people copying that because these companies have a lot of money. They do a lot of marketing and they explain how fantastic this tactic is working for them. Mm -hmm. But then if you are a B2B selling company and you have, I don't know, 1,000 potential clients in the world, why on earth would you start spamming them uh, like crazy? That's just a bad tactic. So again, you have to know, you have to have the right tools for your type of selling environment that helps your salespeople be successful. And I think technology is too often seen as a, uh, either as a big brother thing, like the CRMs are perceived, uh, or as sort of some kind of silver bullet or shortcut success where the computers replace the salesperson. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and just to remind everyone, you, you run a CRM system, specifically a sales enablement focused CRM system. Um, like what, what, is, what is your company doing differently that, uh, that, that kind of separates it from, from the problems that you're talking about? Yeah, so we try to add this here, explain CRM to people that the CRM, I mean, the basic, most basic form of CRM is data, right? You have a database. It's like a Rolodex, a digital Rolodex. Uh, but that's unfortunately where a lot of CRMs stop. <laughs> so they, only be, they just become digital graveyards of information. So what we're trying to do in, at Membrane is to add the how. Like how should we go about selling? What is our way of selling? How do we codify that? Including training, coaching, analytics, and all that good stuff that a manager needs, but also as a, as a sales guy, how do I get the right content? How do I, how do I know what to do now? What do I do when I'm up against this competitor? All that stuff, get it dynamically served up to you at the right time. Okay. Awesome. So the how, the how to. That makes sense. Um, what do you, what do you recommend to salespeople who want to create a scalable, and systematic approach to, to their sales and sales processes? Well, the easy answer would be uh, get membrane. <laughs> but <laughs> but, but, but uh, no, but really that's what I did in my previous company. I, I sat down and I tried to identify the, the, the main mistakes the salespeople did that were not successful and compare that with those who were successful. And what I found at that time was a pretty simple and, and one that was fairly easy to fix. And that was that this, the poor uh, um, 
the salespeople who were not very successful, they did not relate or talk to and engage the technical people. So we had a, we sold an IT automation platform. Uh, so we could take a company from like 3% profit margins to 30% profit margins uh, by automating a lot of the IT maintenance they were doing manually. But if you did not involve the tech people, they of course got really afraid. Like, oh my God, my, my, my company is going to throw, throw me out because they're going to automate this stuff. So we just found that simple pro, uh, problem and we 3x the win rates, triple the win rates by it, always you, engaging the tech people. Uh, okay, okay. Um, I, I had a challenge with that back when I was selling uh, Gmail when I was at Google, I was, you know, I was selling the Google Apps Suite. And so a lot of the times we, were, we would sell this to someone who was currently on an old janky email system like, you know, GroupWise or Lotus Notes. And so I'd be, you know, pitching to the 20 decision makers at a company, you know, standing up at the front of the room and invariably the hardest questions and challenges throughout the presentation would come from uh, the Lotus Notes engineer who is, you know, clearly being like, well, I mean, if we make this switch, I'm, I'm out of a job. So yeah. I don't like this at all. Um, but our, you know, our pitch was, so we definitely need to engage those guys and, and make sure, you know, the, I, the tough pitch there, but the pitch is basically, well, it frees people up to do more interesting stuff than keeping Lotus Notes on life support. You, know, you, you can use your engineers that are doing that and have them do cool things. And so sometimes the, the guys that actually had other skills were like, oh, that'd be amazing. I'd love to take this thing, take the same throw exactly. the garbage. But the ones that were like, uh, this is really all I know how to do. Like there was, they, they're, they're a tough sell. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have to find something more interesting for them to do, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, how do you? I don't know, dif oh, sorry. sorry, I don't know if I, I was just. Did I even answer the question? Yeah, yeah. I, I think you did. <laughs> I think you did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I, I guess, how do you define sales productivity in the first place? What What is uh, What is your productivity formula that you talk about um, look like in action? Yeah. So the easiest one is just looking at your efficiency and multiplying that with your effectiveness. So if, if you first, you, you need to figure out how you do things in the optimal way, right? If, if, you do, if you're doing something right and, and you're doing the right things. So if you do both of those, so you do, you're doing the right things, talking to the right people at the right time, you're understanding them, you're relating to them, you're building trust, da, 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 da. Beautiful. And then you can start to speed up. But I see a lot of companies doing the opposite. They just speed up. If then you're just multiplying your mistakes and you're not going to become very much effective. So more productive. So efficiency times effectiveness, doing the right things and doing them right. D define efficiency and define effectiveness in, in that equation. Yeah. So effectiveness, I think it was Steve Kotler who phrased it, if I don't remember it incorrectly, uh, that uh, doing it right is efficiency. Uh, and and uh, doing the right thing is effectiveness. Mm -hmm. uh, so once you've figured out that you're doing the right thing, then you can start doing that right or fast or in, in volume. Okay. Uh, and is that 
understandable. Yeah, that, that does make sense. Which one would you say is more important if you were going to work on one first? Well, which one would you do? Well, I think you have to work on effectiveness first because otherwise, well, I, that said, I'm sure there are situations where it would make sense to speed up first and then tweak. Uh, but depends on, on the, the damage. I mean, we touched on the automation of emails. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's a typical example of efficiency, right? Instead of, if a person can send 50 emails and now you can, they can send 5,000 emails, they're being a lot more efficient, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but are they being more effective? I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're getting 500 appointments now when they're sending 5,000 emails, but I wouldn't think so. I'm not sure they're getting so many more appointments because they're, they're teaching the entire customer base that don't read your emails from me because they're all spam. So less people will open your emails and less people will respond to them and less meetings will be booked. So first you have to figure out what the right thing is to do again in your environment. And once you know that you can start doing more of it. So effectiveness first, than efficiency. Okay. Um, well now I'd, I'd like to do the next section of our show today, the sales in 60 seconds, quick, quick, quick questions and quick answers here. So first question, as a sales effectiveness pioneer, your goal is to find out how technology is either hurting or helping sales productivity. What would you say are the best productivity tools for salespeople out there? Productivity. Now we're doing two things at the same time. Messes with my head here a bit. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, for, for effectiveness, I mean, it's, it's, it's all about process in my world. Make sure you're doing the right things at the right time with the right people. Uh, so buy, buy tools like, like Membrane or, or, or other tools that would help you to do a playbook that you can effectively follow. Uh, for efficiency, uh, for me, I mean, the lifesaver has been the, the meet me or Calendly type of functionality. Mm -hmm. that's, that's been amazing, um, especially when you're working across different time zones. Yeah, I, I use Calendly, it's really helpful. Yeah. Um, I like to, uh, I'd like to you know, give a shameless plug to Badger on the efficiency side here. <laughs> you should. <laughs> At least for field salespeople. Um, uh, what, any other productivity tools? So a calendar tool, um, a playbook, a sales Yeah, playbook and of tool. course, Zoom is an obvious one. Uh, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, and uh, yeah, what else could I mention? Um, I, I, as you can see, I'm not, a, uh, I'm not a high volume guy. For me, in a, in a B2B complex B2B sale, it's more about really tailoring the right messaging, getting to the right people. So doing things right with quality is is more more important mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but uh yeah web conferencing uh calen calendaring apps are are super uh getting to content is a big one of course how, how to quickly find the right type of information to send to a client uh, what, what do you recommend there at badger we use a spreadsheet for that one a uh, google doc spreadsheet uh what do you recommend well Shameless plug again, then. <laughs> it's all built into Membrane. It serves you up the right content based on stakeholder role, where you are in the process, all of that good stuff. Oh, okay. That's, uh, I, is it, that's not something that CRMs usually do, is it? That's, that's, that's a, is that a unique thing you guys went after, or is that, or 
Common yeah, I mean, that I just don't know about. Yeah, I mean, there are companies doing that on top of CRMs, like you have Highspot and Seismic, and yeah, there are a bunch of, of providers who do a really good job on that. Our, our, our niche is B2B complex sales, long sales cycles, multiple stakeholders. So we just add all the tools that we see add value to that target group. And this is an obvious one. Okay, okay. Um, so next question, uh, I've, I've kind of, I kind of broke my sales in 60 seconds there, but I got interested in what you were saying. So <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> next, next sales in 60 seconds. Uh, what key skills do sales reps need to be successful today? Empathy uh, comes up first in these times, definitely, but always mm -hmm. really, really understanding your client and being relatable and helping. Uh, that's, that's the number one I would bring up. Yeah, I'd I'd, uh, I'd add listening in there too. That's a that's of a, course, yeah, an obvious but probably a key one. Um, mm. What's a common mistake you see reps make in their sales process? Ignoring the fact that there will be multiple stakeholders involved, so they're running one person in the belief that that person will make the decision because he mm. or she said so. Uh, but there will always be more. <laughs> Are I you the decision maker? Case. Yes, I am the decision maker. But of course I, I am. But everybody's got a boss. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's the main one. Yeah. Um, well, as an expert in B2B sales, are there any books um, besides yours, of course, that you would recommend salespeople to better understand this topic? Yeah, there, there are so many books. I mean, the classic, of course, which probably everyone listening has, has already read is Been Selling uh, on the question techniques. Uh, I, uh, I like the writing of Dave Brock. It's more of a sales management book, but I think it's, uh, it's really, really good content. Everything Dave writes uh, on his blog uh, is, is fantastic. So I would follow him. Um, yeah, and, and, and also I think not, we're in a, the business of money, right? So understanding KPIs uh, is really good. So Cracking the Sales Management Code is a brilliant book by Jason Jordan. Again, maybe more management than salesperson, but I think it's good for a salesperson to, to wrap their head around these uh, things when it comes to numbers and KPIs and how they connect. Well, um... As a actionable takeaway, I like to give people the first step that they should do at the end of the podcast. What what is the what is the first thing that a field salesperson listening today should do as their first step to rooting out deadly assumptions? I think they should go back, look at their last sort of wins and losses, and, and really do a deep dive in: Did I make any assumptions during this sales cycle that cost me to either win or lose? Did I talk to the right people? Did I really understand what they were looking to accomplish? Did I really understand the other priorities this customer had that maybe caused them to say no or say later? And then figure out what could I have done differently? Could I have prevented that outcome? Or if it was a positive outcome, how can I make more of that happen? Mm -hmm. by, stru by structuring my way of selling, my playbook, and then if, if, if your way of selling is, is fantastic, how do, you, how do you clone that to the rest of the, the team? And how, how can you get, and maybe you have a sit down with, with a, 
if you're not the top performer, have a sit down with the top performer. Because sometimes if you ask the top performer what they're doing, they can't say it. But if you start asking specific questions on what they, they did uh, and how they got to a yes, where you maybe got to a no, you can, you can find small nuggets in there that you can take and, and, and improve your process. Yeah, I think sales leadership, one of the, one of the key, key shortcuts to being a great sales leader is to just study your top performers like they were a wild animal that, and you were a <laughs> biologist. And yeah. Just document their, document their behaviors, you know, see, what they, see what they eat, see where they sleep, you know, just study the animal and, and then, uh, then try to figure out what's special about the animals that you can replicate across the team or, or even have them help you replicate across the team because they're probably better better at this than you are so have them teach people how to how they're doing it but they but you're right they often don't know why what they're doing is special because they're just like yeah i mean of course i do it this way wouldn't everyone and you're like no no one else figured it out. Yeah. exactly exactly <laughs> and what i find very interesting is when you do a win-loss and and when you get the numbers from the systems like if you really do, do a, a loss analysis and you, you start seeing things like, wow, we really lose a lot against this competitor and you bring everyone into a room, there's always someone who, who says, well, I never lose against them. Yeah. You, well, you don't, you know, what do you, you mean? tell customers that they suck at this and to just try that out and see that part that sucks and people, everyone else is like, no, we didn't know about that. Yeah, we didn't know about that. <laughs> and nobody came up with the idea like, wow, that's really smart. Let's clone that. Let's make everyone do that all mm -hmm. the time. So yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. That's, good. that's a uh, that's a key one. I, uh, I I give a whole I give a whole talk kind of on this concept. Um, I might have, I might have done a podcast on that already, and I I forget at this point what I sometimes I forget what I what I gave presentations on and what I, some speaking engagement versus what I podcast. It's all very confusing. I think I covered this in an earlier podcast though. Um, unclear. Well, <laughs> well, next I'd like to uh, to summarize all the all the bits of knowledge that you've uh, provided for us here today um, just because people like to hear it twice and a lot of them are driving um, so in summary the three deadly assumptions are one the perception that salespeople are born two that salespeople are super disciplined and will go after their target in a disciplined way and three that both salespeople and consumers are rational so don't assume a salesperson will be great at your company just because they sold well before at a different company, um, which may have had different circumstances. Establish who you're selling to and how they buy and figure out what a top performer is at your organization, what defines them. In order to help a salesperson with their discipline, learn what motivates each one as an individual and what drives them. Don't assume it's always money might be something else. People make decisions based on emotion and rationalize after, um, after they've uh, made their decision, basically. So sales managers need to really get at these emotions to understand their salespeople and then teach them how to sell to people. Salespeople need to do research to really understand what drives their buyers. Technology can hurt salespeople because it can push people to be that disciplined seller that they aren't necessarily without the right motivation. You, and what I mean by that, you need to find the right tool for your organization and, and, uh, 
that will unlock the value and, and motivate the reps to, to do well. Sales productivity is looking at your effectiveness and multiplying it by your efficiency. This is, in other words, this is when you do the right thing at the right time with the right people, then you can increase your volume after you have everything in the right place. Sounds, sounds obvious, but hard to actually do. Yeah. So uh, you got to kind of wrap your head around that concept, um, which, which is, I guess, why you wrote a book about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds easy. So, uh, well, tell me, George, where can listeners read more about your work? Where can they reach out to you? How do they learn more? Yeah, thanks. So the, uh, the book is just out. So it's on, on Amazon, Stop Killing Deals. So just search for that. I'm uh, pretty active on LinkedIn. So just search for my name there and connect with me. I'm happy to, to engage there. And uh, membrane.com slash blog is where I blog once a week. I'm really good guest bloggers there as well. So if, if B2B sales is of interest, yeah, please subscribe to the blog. Well, thanks, George. This has been a great episode of the Outside Sales Talk. If, uh, if anyone can think of any other sales reps that would benefit from learning the stuff that George has talked about today, uh, share the love and forward this episode on to them. Um, take care until next time, guys. Bye.